Hello and welcome to The Green Room, your one-stop shop for all things music, comedy, pop culture and beyond. This is a podcast presented by The Handshake Agency and I am your host, Tiana Spita. Thank you so much for grabbing a listen today and I hope your day is being awesome to you, whatever it is you're up to out there. As with the last week or so, apologies in advance for any delightfully loud traffic noise kicking around on the green room at the moment. As lockdown continues in Sydney, the main road I live on has decided to really crank up the traffic noise. And my question with all of that is, where the hell are all these cars going when we're supposed to all be at home? But um, I did remember there is a McDonald's not too far from my house, so that could explain the very urgent traffic racing past. If anyone driving past me does want to grab me some fries or hot chips or anything like that, feel free to grab them, chuck them up to me to make up for the fact that you're disrupting my podcast recording. I will not say no. But let's get cracking. To recap, last week's episode of The Green Room was definitely one I will not forget in a hurry, largely because my abs are still hurting from laughter, which just showcases how fit I am at the moment too. I had the pleasure of spending some time with Mark and Broden from Auntie Donna. Hilarity and mayhem did ensue, but we did also manage to get some good chats in about the guy's history, their upcoming The Magical Dead Cat Tour, and Mark and I even managed to nerd out about Mike Patton for a bit, which I don't ever really need much persuading to do, to be honest. But if you are having a bit of a crap day and you're in need of a laugh, definitely jump back an episode and grab a listen to that. But before you do that... Let's jump into today's episode. Today marks the long-awaited release from one of Australia's most engaging and enigmatic bands, with the Jungle Giants dropping their fourth full-length love signs into the world and once again proving no one puts the Jungle Giants in a corner. Starting off life as high school friends and with slightly more indie pop flavours earlier in their career, the Jungle Giants have constantly kept everyone on their stylistic toes, dabbling in post-punk, dance rock and beyond with each passing release. And while the industry and fans out in the world have equally adored the band for their bounce and buoyant ways, it's on love signs that the Jungle Giants offer up an incredible antidote to the doom and gloom bubbling away for many of us as 2021 soldiers on. And before the album released, and actually just before poor old Melbourne got plunged back into lockdown yet again, I grabbed a moment with Jungle Giants frontman Sam Hales from Melbourne to chat about future live performance plans, balancing expectation with evolution, searching for that new sound. And along the way, we accidentally developed three side projects together, including a TV series called Helicopter Fishing with Illy. It's exactly what it sounds like. Let's do this. All right. Well, Sam from the Jungle Giants, thank you so much for joining me today, ever so remotely, but it's so exciting to have you on the green room with me today. Good to be here. The green room. I like it. I've spent many, many an hour in the green room. Yes. Not this particular one, but it's good to be here. Well, welcome. This one may be a little bit different to what you're used to, but I hope it will be equally inviting as what you may have had in the past. I've got less beer though than most green rooms do. So that's fine. That's fine. I'll have to fix that next time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's exciting to have you here. And I know the world has gone a little bit topsy turvy again recently for a few of us, especially where I am right now, and not so much for you at the moment in Melbourne, but A little bit of excitement that is very much on the brink is the incredible release of Love Signs, your fourth Jungle Giant studio album. 
How does it feel to be at this point after such a bizarre year and a bit in the wake of the lead up to this unveiling? You know, it feels absolutely amazing. I mean, um, I mean, to me at this point, like, cause I made this, I'm pretty much finished this record during Melbourne's like hundred day lockdown. And I was just deep in the weirdest time of my life, but I, I feel like right now I feel so set. The music now feels separated from any kind of, any kind of COVID story because I feel like what it is, is it's something that I'm extremely proud of. And it has taken years to get to this point. And I love it so much because it, I feel like making this album actually got me through, um, you know, some potential really hard times and, and, you know, the time, the times were were hard, but I feel like this album really, really kind of like supported me. And it's like, this album's my friend, <laughs> but so I'm so excited to finally get it out because I'm so proud of it. I think um, like I, I play this so much to my friends at parties and stuff. Um, the, they actually, it's driving them nuts. I think now it's time for the public to have it, you know, it's our turn now, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a really nice way to put it. And I mean, as much as it's obviously come about during a time that's been really, really uncertain, like the really incredible thing is that, you guys have had quite the journey. I mean, looking back to the start of 2020, you guys were actually on tour overseas at the yeah. start of the year when all of this was kind of kicking off. Like, how does it feel over a year later to be at this point? Like, does it just feel like that was a completely different lifetime ago considering yeah. you were traipsing the world? Totally going around the world. We were in Japan when we when we heard the news um, and then we just kind of like ran back home. But um. Yeah, I feel like I, I mean, I'm a positive person and I, to me, I'm kind of like, I'm not really trying to compare then and now I'm definitely, I miss international touring so much. Um, but I've kind of just changed my attitude now to just being extremely thankful for what I can have. Um, and I feel extremely lucky in Australia to be actually be able to play shows. Um, you know, I can't wait for us to get up these vaccines fucking sorted so we can actually, you know, not lose the boat, not lose the race with everyone else. But um, yeah, I mean, I, we've had relatively an absolutely rocking fucking COVID compared to other places around the world. And um, yeah, I can't wait to go back overseas, but I feel like I got, I've used this time to make the record. Um, I had extra time to finish the record, which I really needed. And we've luckily been playing heaps of shows, weirdly. Like we've been all over the place, um, even this year and um, towards the end of last year. Lots of like one-off festivals, but they've been sick. Like I was in Darwin a couple of weeks ago. Um, I played a really nice show. They have like really sick capacities there. It was like 16,000 people. And uh, the day before I went helicopter barramundi fishing with Illy, which was like, Oh my God. I didn't even know you could do that. But a friend of us like hooked up a helicopter. It had no doors. It was just this helicopter. You have your fishing rod. And then you kind of just like the, the the helicopter pilot would just look around and point where you could see fish. And then we'd land on this little beach, just like wild animals riding a mechanic Brumby. And then we jump out and we grab a beer and then just fish. It was like the best time ever. And I feel like I find maybe I'm seeing more of Australia than I ever had before because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a domestic guy now. Yeah. But we all are. And it's good to good to get around Australia because it actually rules. Yeah, there is, there's so many places I haven't seen. I can't say like, it feels like helicopter fishing with Illy sounds like some awesome new TV show I instantly want to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's CrossFit like, that's the Jungle Giants. 
Helicopter with Illy and the Jungle Giants. Yeah, 10 out of 10, we'll watch that show. Can't wait for you to pitch it. Um, But I guess that has been the thing. Like, it's been a way, it's not, I don't want to use the word forced, but it's almost allowed us to kind of cast our gaze inwards a little bit more than we ever would have been able to. And like, even in, you know, various chats, I've had people are discovering their local, even not town, like they're actually just around the corner. Like I found yeah. a park that is like 200 metres away from me. I never knew existed. And yeah. yeah, it's wild, but. you know, And there is like, there, you know, sometimes I go, I go like overseas and do like a long tour and I, I get home and there'd always be this readjustment of like, Oh, I'm back in Australia. And there's these little things that you, you kind of, kind of reminded that you back in Australia. And I've, I've always loved that moment. And I'm like, Oh, I'm back home. And like um, in Melbourne, there's all these little things. And I feel like during this time, I've discovered all these little pubs and stuff around me. And I found this pub um, in, in Melbourne called the railway hotel. And it, to me, it's like the most Australian pub I've ever seen. Cause it's, it's like they haven't changed the decor since about 1982. And it's these beautiful old pub. It's just like a time warp. It's got fireplaces and it's so nice. And I keep thinking that that's like the most Australia place that I've, you know, that I've ever seen. And I just found it during these couple of months. And uh, while I've just been chilling in Melbourne. And now I feel like every time I, from now, when I go overseas and I come back to Australia, I'll feel like I'm really back in Australia where I'm sit- when I'm sitting at that pub with a beer. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that's going on my must visit when I am allowed out. But it's a really nice thing to come out of it. And mm-hmm. another thing too with the album come to life, I know you guys have plans to tour it, and I'm crossing all my fingers and very very long toes that it will come about. But coming back to the album for a second, I did read that you kind of sequestered yourself into a studio, locked yourself away, embraced a bit of the chaos that COVID kind of made you do. And you've emerged with something truly spectacular. Like the album is absolutely stunning, but can you take me through a bit of your creative journey and the lead up? Like how much of it did you kind of have in your head or somewhere tangible prior to locking yourself away and creating this? Um, Well, I mean, I had a fair bit of it done actually before COVID hit. Um, I was, because Heavy Hearted had come out, it's Heavy Hearted is just about over two years old now. Um, So, and technically that's, you know, that's like a long lead single. So I've been making, I've been making the album and kind of releasing it at the same time, which is kind of all unorthodox. Some people do that, but for me, it was, it was a new challenge because it'd been a while since our last record and I was kind of making songs in these batches. Um, And my one hope was that each song that I was releasing would still fit the plan by the time I finished the record. And thankfully it did. Um, And I, I was kind of playing with a new, a new drum sound, when I first released it, Heavy Hearted, and that's still maintained to the to the end of the re- record. Um, but so I was kind of making it in these little batches um, between tours. We were, when we were in the states um, early 2020, we were in a in a bus. Like it was a sick bus. We're like we had bunks in there, and at the very back we had like a it was like a little chill room with like leather couches and an Xbox, and there was this table there next to this beautiful massive window that you could open. And we were like driving through like the mountains just past Chicago. And I had this window open and I was just making the record in the back of this bus. And it was like, that was a really fucking cool way to write music, like moving. I never, it's usually in a studio, like, you know, like not moving, but I like that. Um, So it's like, it it was written essentially all around the world. Um, Mostly in Melbourne at my, at my, at my little studio, but um. Yeah, by the time um by the time I like kind of went into lockdown and finished it off, 
there was a couple of songs that, that I finished off the writing, but a big part of it was the production. So I kind of just call it um, pre-production. So I would just kind of make sure all the shitty recorded guitars sounded good. And I had more time to do it, which is good because I was, I was rushed pre-COVID. I was really rushed and there was tours coming up and travel and the time was getting less and less and less that I could actually focus on the music. So I really took that as a blessing that I had more time to just focus on what is most important. And that's, that's the music. And it's interesting, like you kind of, you get a vibe that there is that differing thing. I mean, you've got stuff, obviously you've got your bops and you've got your upbeat stuff, but there is that noticeable journey. So whether or not you've intended to imprint this rushing past of a bus or sitting in a <laughs> studio somewhere, like it does really come across. So that's quite, yeah. And I'm always the person I listen to music while I'm driving, imagining I'm in some, you know, amazingly bad movie. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. See, yeah. driving and listening to music is awesome and i've discovered that writing music while driving is awesome that sounds dangerous but if someone else is driving you maybe that could be a new thing is like we could just ask i could just ask one of my friends to just drive me around the city while i'm in the back seat just making beats that could be oh a mobile studio maybe that's a thing i'll get an rv yes this needs to be an immediate business as well so tv show and business tick yeah i'll get illy to drive the studio while i'm (laughs) oh Stop it. That's too perfect. Yeah. Oh, this is great. So we'll 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 coin these businesses after this. Yeah, we'll hit up the producers. It's all yeah. cool. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I guess from that perspective too, by the sounds of it, stuff has been in the works and there's been a lot going on while you've been conjuring this album. There's been a bit of time now between your previous album. Hmm. Did you ever have that whole worry about internal or external expectations given how successful the band has been in the past? Like does that kind of stuff play on you at any point at this stage in your career? I mean, you've done it for a long time now, but is that ever something gurgling away behind it all? Well, I mean, totally. I think it was, it would definitely affect me. I think you're always aware of your career and you're always aware of, uh, you know, maintaining and also giving, like you need to be releasing music as an artist. I think like there is definitely people, people need you, need to be hearing you. You need to be in the sphere. But that used to stress me out more than it does now. When I was younger, it used to stress me out a little and I had to learn how to deal with it, how to cope with it. Because that's not something that you usually, when you first start a band, you don't think about those external pressures. But then you learn to cope with them as your career keeps going. And I have a really good relationship with the, with the stress of music now, I find now. At least I think now. Because um, what I do is I focus on the music when I have time to focus on the music. And then I focus on... Uh, you know, release strategies and um, marketing, social media, all that stuff is part of the job. Um, and by giving it time, like almost allotting time for it, it doesn't swamp me. It doesn't get over my head. It's kind of one of those things. And so, yeah, I mean, like I'm conscious as an artist that I want, um, I want to, I want to give my mu- this the time I spend making my music, I put in time sharing it as well, you know, because I want as many people as I can to hear it. But yeah, so the, the pressure is always there, but the stress isn't there as much now because I've just learned how to deal with it a bit more and and kind of like uh, learn to cope with it and learn to understand it. And it's just like another part of the job. That's all it is. I think that's the healthiest way to look at it because I think, as you said, it is something that is, it goes hand in hand with it. And it's, you know, it's not something to be dreaded and it is something that time does also help. I mean, it's like with any job when you first start and you've got all these things. Yeah, it's all stressy. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. And I like that you say that. And I think it, you know, it gives everyone hope that 
we all kind of suffer from that, but there is, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets. So like you look at it as a, if it is an issue, you've got to look at it as, as a problem that you can address, you know, other, other than making it music stressful. It's like, no, no, there's parts of music that are stressful. You know what I mean? So you, once you address all those little problems and, and you can learn to deal with them and then find coping me- methods. And, you know, I think, you know, any, any problem can be kind of straightened out if you just can give it time and attention. Coming up after this short break, Sam and I chat genre labels, positivity, plus Sam shares an extremely niche tip for levelling up your energy in the recording studio that genuinely has to be heard to be believed. Stick around. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. I know with Quiet Ferocity you took over doing a lot of the production stuff and I believe you solely produced and wrote this time around as well. Was that something you just loved so much from the previous experience that it just automatically carried over into this? Like, is that another facet that you just find yourself exploring more and more? Yeah. I mean, like, I've always been writing, uh, like the, I, I, the jungles music, I, I write the music, but I didn't always produce. And I used to find, I would find myself getting a little frustrated when I was younger, having other producers, but that was before I knew how to produce. I would just have an opinion and I'd be like, the snare drum's wrong. And then you know, this producer that would pay is like, no, man, it's right. And then I found that was when I realized, oh, my God, if I have an opinion on how the snare drum has to sound, I have to learn the word or I need to learn to describe what I'm after. And then the more time I spent learning how to produce, I, I was like, oh, my God, this is like suddenly now it's like I've like I've the subtitles. I've got the right language. Finally, I can under, I can get people to understand what I'm after if I do it myself. So. I also like moving at my own pace and I like having that control so I can write a song, make it sound exactly how I want it to sound as one, you know, at the same time, that's important to me. I like, I, I feel like I write and produce at the same time. So that was a natural progression after Quiet Ferocity. That felt amazing for me to be able to make a record, um, you know, and be able to take, take the brunt of that stress and that, con- and that control, but be, be really proud and happy with the results. And then see the reaction that we got but from from fans, which was awesome. So this time around, I did, I wanted to put myself, give myself more like of a challenge, but I also naturally wanted to do this because I feel like I've got more, I've just got ideas for ways that I want to produce all the time. And so I just started, I just started making the record. That's what I, what I was doing. I was just making demos. And then um, my manager, when I first wrote Heavy Hearted, I sent it around to the band and they listened to it. And my manager was like, we have to put this out. We have to put this out. And I was like, well, like, okay. Like, but you know, maybe I'll keep, may, I'll keep finishing the record off. He was like, this, this would be awesome if we put out it now. And he was like, it sounds perfect. Like, are you happy with it? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And like, I hadn't intended that that was going to be the final product. But so I was like, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to re-record this and the tambourine and then I'll just send it. And then, um, then I went up to Brisbane and I mixed with a guy called Constantine Kirsting. He's one of my best friends, an amazing guy, amazing engineer. And we just pounded out the song and then put it out. And it was one of our biggest tracks ever. 
And watching that, that, that come back like that, I feel like people were very accepting of the new sound. People were more than accepting. They were kind of like, yeah, this is awesome. And I was kind of surprised that no one was like, wow, this is a dance song. Um, but yeah, like people just seem to really, really love it and really, really like kind of believe in it. So that gave me a confidence boost that I was like, I'm onto something here. I'm going to keep producing the way that I feel is right. And then, um, yeah. So, I, and I, I want people to hear that I'm loving what I'm doing. I feel like you can hear that when an artist is having fun and believing in themselves. It definitely translate over. And I think that's what I find so interesting with you guys. I mean, in the past, you've kind of had these different labels thrown at you, like, you know, indie rock royalty and all these stuff (laughs) that I love seeing this and I love, I love hearing, I love seeing the passion that you come out of it. And I mean, it's kind of exciting that you've evolved from teenagers in high school, in a band to the point you are now and to be so confident in what you're doing, but also to be willing to evolve because I think, I hate labels. Like I am in the wrong industry because I hate putting a genre label on anything. So yeah. Like what can you put your finger on then for the jungle giant success in that you've been able to fluctuate and your fans have followed you like absolutely adoring it the whole way. Do you think there's some secret recipe here? I think, I do think that a big thing of it, a big part of it, or at least like something that's really important to me and intrinsic with me is positivity. Like for me, I love making music and I love spending time making music and I take it really seriously because I feel like I always need there's I have there's so much I don't know and I want to keep learning and I always keep I'm I maintain that energy into music I love making music so I just I put everything I have into getting better at that all the time and I feel like a byproduct of that is progressing as an artist and I've found that the more I tried and the more I've you know, I just kind of like put my heart into making music, the more people would understand that they would, they would enjoy that. They would feel that kind of love. They would feel that kind of like devotion. So, yeah, I feel, I honestly feel like positivity is a, is a massive part of it. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for music that has authenticity, but is still so enjoyable and so relatable at the same time. Like it's so rare that you do have that, like not nothing against, you know, a vapid pop song, but that is definitely not something a Jungle Giants song would ever be described as and yeah, it's exciting to see you guys have so much fun but be just totally in control and yeah I mean I'm a fan it's no secret but obviously you have many others outside of me as well so yeah it's it's inspiring I mean I mean to come out of high school as well I was in high school wanting to start a band and we all realized Queens of the Stone Age were better than us or we tried to do a good Charlotte harmony so you, you know. shouldn't worry about that stuff. That's the thing. That's the positivity trick. You can just be like, well, I'll keep going. I'll keep trying, you know? Well, I might have to go back in time. I have to tell 16, 16-year-old yeah. Tiana. So you've got a pep talk. I'll come with you. I'll walk okay, we'll talk. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, this could be bad for all of us. <laughs> but we'll get Illy to host it. It'll be a oh, <laughs> Time traveling as well. Yes, that, that's yeah, the trifecta. Time, I knew we would get time there. Time traveling pep talk. but it's exciting too like not only have you guys had such a long career but you also recently I spied on Twitter you've just had your 10-year anniversary for your first ever Mm. EP the self-titled amazing EP made me a bit scared that it has been 10 years because it feels like not that long for me so um but I noticed that you you put out a call out asking fans to tell you their favorite song from the EP so I was wondering if I could put that to you do you have a favorite from the very first moment yeah, for sure. I think the first, I mean, I'm really, I, I kind of like lost, I forgot about this song kind of. It's been that long since that first EP, but 
I, I remember writing that's like a weight. It's a song called like a weight. And it's like a really soft, really heartfelt track that I, a friend of mine recently was like, dude, you have to listen to this song. Cause it's actually, it's good. He's like, I know you were a kid, but he, I think some like he was with someone and he put on the EP, the first EP just to like, for like shits and giggles. And he really liked it. And, and he kind of talked to me about it. He was like, man, I really like this. Like, what the hell? Like, I, you know, I haven't, I didn't know Jungle Giants did songs like this, which is a funny thing. Cause like, there's been such a progression, but I really, I re-listened to it the other day and I fucking loved it. And it's like, a, cause I was really into Bon Iver at the time. And it's like, a, it's kind of like really kind of Bon Iver-y caudal thing. And it's super sad. And I, I wrote it about a breakup I had with a girlfriend at the time. And it's just like super sad and, yeah, that'll be my favorite for sure. It's called Like a Weight. Well, I had to say, I at the time, I was actually moving from Brisbane to Sydney. So it has a real link to Brisbane for me inadvertently, not just because, you know, even though you were in Melbourne, a Brisbane band, but I had Mr. Polite was my jam. But oh, um, I don't, I kept coming back to it. And it just, it always reminds me that I, moved to Sydney for a short term and I've now been here for 10 years. The entire time your EP's been out, I've been in Sydney. So that's fine. Sydney rules. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney's awesome. But there's but yeah. I think it there's so much light and shade on it. It's amazing. Thank you. That's my second favorite for sure. Mr. Polite, like I mean, changed our lives. That song was like the the single that kind of like garnered up a lot of interest for for us. You know what I mean? So I love that song and I love what that song did for us. And you know um that'll be my very close second favorite on the ep excellent that's good we, we don't have to share that one then i can have that as my number one <laughs> <laughs> now it would be remiss of me obviously jungle giants your music is beautiful there's so much going on with it but everyone raves about your live show like you cannot read an article you cannot see a review without everyone saying you have to see these guys live so Given there's been a little bit of time away from it, I know you've had a few little things yourself that you've been performing lately, but with the upcoming tour to celebrate the new album, is there anything new or secret or special you can reveal about what we can expect from a Jungle Giants show in the second half of 2021? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's one thing, like we, I feel we, I feel ex- extra lucky to say this, but we, we actually have been performing at a lot of festivals during COVID, which is weird to say, but yeah, we're, we're definitely trained up. And one thing that we've wanted to do, we're very appreciative of what we can have now. I think that's like been an important thing. So one thing that we've decided for this album tour is to just, just reinvest so much fucking, like we're spending so much on this show. But what we're doing is we're kind of making, we're trying to like, we feel like this music is kind of feels leveled up for the show. It's much more high intensity. There's a lot of dance elements now, which kind of translate really well live. And so we've kind of built, this production that is bigger than anything we've ever done before um it's definitely like gonna be it's gonna it's definitely gonna be more dance show but that's one thing i love it's gonna be kind of like a massive production and uh i'm pretty like i think uh, to me it feels kind of leveled up from anything we've done before and this new artwork that we have has all these crazy things we can do with it so we're it's gonna we're gonna i can't reveal too much but we're gonna we're gonna fuck with some props this time Ooh, this, this <laughs> fascinates and excites yeah. me i love a prop so this is yeah. good news. we'll have some props yay and comparing that back to i believe correct me if i'm wrong that your first gig was at the powerhouse in brisbane the very yes. first it was, yeah. to prove 
how much cooler you are. I have also performed at the Powerhouse in Brisbane, but it was with forced compulsory university choir. And I think my mother was in attendance and no one else that I knew. So you're a little bit cooler than me, but comparing <laughs> that, like, can you take me back to that moment when you walked on stage with the Jungle Giants for the first time? Like, did you guys know you had something special then and there? Did you have that immediate connection with the crowd and just realise this was something that was definitely going to be of pursuit down the track? I mean... It's kind of funny, like when I look back at the shows, we definitely weren't, we were nervous about playing in front of a crowd, but I do think that the main thing we were thinking was how fun it was between us. Um, I, you know, and we, I don't think we were, but we were planning for anything. Like, I mean, I was putting a lot of time. It's kind of funny when I say that, but what I was doing at the time was I was, I had our first EP and I printed it to CDs and then I put like a little like letter on it, trying to explain who I was, knew the band was. And I literally put it under the door of all the venues in Brisbane. So I was like, I was hustling, hustling as fuck. Um, but when we were playing, we were just like super cute. We were just like really enjoying it. And I remember um, our manager, when he when we first like met him, he was booking an artist and it was going to be billed as just Sam Hales as an acoustic act because that, that's what I was originally. And then at the time I was like, you know what? No, I've got this new band going. It's called Jungle Giants. I'm going to bring the band, but I didn't tell him. I thought I did. So he thought he was walking in to see an acoustic act, but then he said he saw this band just thrashing around on stage. And when he tells me a story, I always feel like really nice. I think it's really cute because we were just a bunch of kids just literally banging around. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and it was so fun for us. And to this day, it's just as fun. Um, and we're all super close. We're a really close bunch of friends. Like we've been, we've been friends since we were kids at school. And I feel like over the years, we've just got closer and closer and closer. And yeah, I love, I love those guys. Shout out to the Jungle Giants. <laughs> oh, shout out indeed. Like, yeah, what a bunch of sweethearts. Yeah. That warms my heart. I love that so much. Yeah. And I love that it still carries over after all this time. But one little thing I wanted to check with you before we start to bring this to a close, going back to the album for a moment for Love Signs. I read an amazing article about um, a little flourish you had to your falsetto and the instigating factor behind that is the story correct that your girlfriend is responsible for your falsetto leveling up yeah well actually do you know what you know what she did so okay so what she what my girlfriend was doing was she was spanking my bum while is that what you heard so yeah i'd heard i'd heard that that was pretty much at just the perfect moment so is this true it it is true that she was she gave me a spank but what it wasn't for my falsetto it was because i was i was doing some takes in my studio and i couldn't get the energy right i couldn't get the vibe right so i called her almost in desperation i was like babe like i'm just like my deadline was that afternoon to finish off my vocals and it just wasn't i just wasn't vibing it and i just needed something and so i I called her and she came to the studio with champagne and like a kid, there was a cowboy hat. I'm not sure if she brought it or it was at the studio. And I just got her to press the space bar while I was like, you know, at the microphone and the more and more takes I was doing, she was like giving me like champagne. And then at one point she was like, come on, you got this. She just gave me a little spank and it definitely got like, it fired me up. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, advise anyone who is, can't get the vibe in the studio, just get like, just get a, get a cowboy hat, someone to spank you and a little bit of champagne. And honestly, the vibe will be right. Well, the secret recipe, I'm, I'm taking notes rapidly just in case I do go back in time and start my van. But 
What an amazing thing. Also, does she need a new best friend? Because she sounds like someone I would want to hang out with, but we can talk about that after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, to finish off today, considering I have dragged you into my green room with your upcoming tour as well, what is one essential item you will be requiring backstage when you christen love signs in your upcoming tour later this year? I reckon, or maybe like a love heart shaped pinata filled with those little tequila bottles that you can get at hotels. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I reckon it'd be that. It'd be yeah. that. A love heart-shaped piñata filled with little mini bar tequila bottles. That seems fitting. Seems seems good. It seems beautiful. It's love signs just leveled up to the next yeah. jungle That's giants of, level. Bit of love signs, bit of jungle giants mixed yeah. together. Together at last. Well, I think that's going to be a fun time for all. And I'm so excited for all our little side hustles we've actually accidentally started today as well. Yeah. But more importantly, huge congratulations on love signs. It's absolutely gorgeous. And thank you thank so you. much for joining me in the green room as well. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. While I may have committed to a few too many new projects with Sam today, I can stand by the fact that his creativity clearly knows no bounds and there are so many incredible things to look forward to from the Jungle Giants in the not-so-distant future. In the meantime, the band's fourth album, Love Signs, is out in the world as of today. Whether you need a laugh or a cry or you just need to have an impromptu dance party in your living room, this album is something truly special. And here's hoping we can all grab a taste of it live in action later this year when the band hit the road for their Love Signs national tour. A giant thank you to Sam. And I'll be waiting on my balcony for that helicopter to pick me up anytime so we can start filming our helicopter fishing show, Sam. Uh, $5 says I fall out within the first few minutes. There comes a time in every podcast when the host's voice changes ever so slightly and they shift into the final phase of the episode. Review, subscribe, beg, borrow, steal. Okay, don't steal. But you too could steal my heart if you feel like subscribing to The Green Room, leaving a review or checking out the episodes on YouTube as well. Go on, it'll give you something to do and it'll also give me something to read during lockdown other than getting lost in Reddit. Please help me out. As always, you can catch all previous episodes of The Green Room, including episodes with What So Not, Jimmy Barnes, Mashton Kutcher, and a heap more living over at thepodcast.com.au. And while you're there, why not check out some of the other Handshake Agency podcasts? Guaranteed there is something there for everyone, even NRL. Go Queensland. The Green Room is also on YouTube. If you search The Green Room podcast with Tiana Speter, you can catch all the action largely via Zoom these days. But that's all there. It's worth a look alone to see Auntie Donna's sketch post at wall from last week's episode. And of course, you can always grab a listen via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you'd like to get your podcast from. Thanks for sticking around. Be good to each other out there. And I will catch you next time.
The Green Room with Tiana Spita is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Tiana Spita and Andrew Mast, with Pharrell D'Souza and Henry Gibson providing research, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Trewick.